Deuteronomy chapter 33, verses 24 to 29. It's a long reading. Let me set the context. This is Moses coming to the end of his life. He's about to pass on the baton to Joshua, his successor. But before he goes, he wants to bless the people. Moses had the heart of God. Do you know that that's God's greatest desire for you? To bless you. And sometimes the path of blessing is difficult. It's not always, only, or hardly ever about what we want now, Lord, please. It's about God in all his magnificent wisdom, all his creativity, all his authority, all his providential care, weaving a pattern in our lives, writing a story, using us as the pen and ink to describe and describe the greatness, the great things that God has for us. And the Bible says, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, mankind or humanity, what God has prepared for those who love him. But the Spirit has revealed and will continue to reveal. And we pray for that spirit of revelation. So Mo- Moses Extend the hand of blessing on behalf of Almighty God for all of the tribes of Israel. And in our passage comes to the final tribe that he is to bless, the 12th tribe, Asher. Asher was the youngest son of Jacob and Zilpah, Leah's, uh, Leah's maidservant. It means happy and blessed. Deuteronomy 33:24. And of Asher he said, Most blessed of sons be Asher. Let him be the favorite of his brothers and let him dip his foot in oil. Your bars shall be iron and bronze. And as your days, so shall your strength be. There is none like God, O Jashuram, the upright one of Israel, called Israel, who rides through the heavens to your help through the skies in his majesty. The eternal God is your dwelling place and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he thrust out the enemy before you and said, destroy. The ESV gives a revocalization of that to read, he subdues the ancient gods and shatters the forces of old. I pray to God that that's a prophetic word. That God is going to move in our society and in our culture to subdue the ancient gods and shatter the forces of old. There is a spiritual battle in the heavenlies. But do not be afraid. Hold fast because the battle has already been won as the Bible says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Verse 28. So Israel lived in safety. Jacob lived alone in a land of grain and wine whose heavens drop down dew. Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. 
the shield of your help and the sword of your triumph. Your enemies shall come fawning back to you and you shall tread upon their backs. God's perfect timing. Times are changing. There's no doubt about that. I dipped into an interesting website called News of the Future just to see what people were saying in the area of technology, economics, everything that's coming up. Now, we notice a number of the things that we said. I'll pick out one or two things. This is very, very interesting. A 24-hour bot. If you don't know what a bot is, be careful who you're speaking to next time you telephone one of the big companies because nearly always these days it's a bot. There's even now a bot that can lead people to Christ and to begin to disciple them. And uh, who knows? Uh, Now, there is a 24-hour bot coming to planet Earth, uh, artificial intelligence, um, with, it's been programmed to know everything that a psychiatrist knows so you can have 24-hour counseling on the internet by a person who you know you wouldn't tell the difference from anybody human. Maybe there will be a little lack of empathy. Maybe the empathy will be programmed somehow, but don't forget these bots can't feel and they really can't think for themselves and they have no soul. We're told very, very soon there'll be a hotel on the moon, holidays on Mars, a voice-activated, highly complex interactive search engine. You just call up, start talking to them. Sounds like a human being. Hello, how are you? How are you? I'm doing fine. What do you you think about it? I would like to find a bit more about that. Be specific. What more do you want to know? And where would you like to search? Which particular country? Have a conversation. And it's the new Google, the new search engine. And extremely high-speed internet and there's something coming which is way, way beyond me. It is something like four terahertz uh, a microprocessor. Uh, a terahertz is 1,000 gigahertz. I'm lost already. <laughs> but if you know anything about that, please be suitably impressed and then tell me why. But maybe not. We also know, and perhaps sometimes it's the rise of technology which promises so much knowledge but doesn't grant wisdom, doesn't grant insight, that promises contact and communication but doesn't produce the same connection that we have in face-to-face communication. That and many other things has led to a high increase in mental health problems and that's set to continue Maybe we will be dialing up that uh, counselling bot before long. But behind that, of course, the bigger cultural and religious shifts taking place due to the deepening of the post-Christian culture, which defines itself as rejecting the authority of Christ himself. Times are changing, but the God who never changes... His timing is always perfect, so we have nothing to fear. Go back to the birth of Jesus. Don't worry, it's not quite the end of Christmas. I'm not taking you into next year's Christmas. The Bible says 
that in due season, in the fullness of time, right on schedule, God sent forth his son into this world. The God who did that is the God who's control of history, the control of your time, my time, every moment. And we're reminded too that Jesus, in reference to his second coming, said that we are not given at this stage to know the times and seasons the Father is set by his authority, but God is going to restore his kingdom and Jesus Christ is going to return. And that is in God's calendar, calendar and he's going to keep that appointment. But also our own personal times and seasons. The Lord who holds us in his hands is directing every circumstance. Every moment. is given by God. Psalm 31 verse 14 says, But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. Now, you have a look at the first 13 verses and you'll understand that word, but. He describes his life. Now, we won't go into details, but his life is in a particular mess. His life is under threat. His enemies are all around. They're doing him down. They're tearing him down. They want to do everything to destroy him. And he lists all these things. And in his lament, in his complaint, he cries out to God. He says, all this is true, but I trust in you, O Lord. Now listen, friends. What is behind our personal butts. If we had a microphone, say, what are you going through? What have you been through? What do you anticipate? What is your life like now? Some of us will say, everything is fine. Others will, will say, yeah, I'm trusting God, but life is tough. And there is a way as we turn the corner into the new year is to look back on 2018 and say, thank God for it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Thank God for it, and particularly thank God it's behind us. And say, I will trust God as a matter of decision, but I will trust God. Then it says, I say you are my God. When you start trusting God, you start talking differently. Have you noticed that? Not just the people, how are you? I, well, I am best and highly flavoured. As somebody said to me, I think they're meant to say they're best, they're blessed and highly favoured. But anyway... We start to talk differently because our mindset changes, our confidence changes, and, and we have this ability to speak words which are positive and confident even in the most trying circumstances. And how could he do this? How could he trust God? And how could he declare the goodness of God? Verse 15 says, here's the answer. My times are in your hands. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. My times are in your hand. And remember the kind of hands that God has. I'm not talking about the hands on the clock. I'm talking about God's hands who holds the clock, the time, atomic, and every other time ever anywhere in the universe. By the way, have you... Have you considered this whole thing about time? What time is it? Everybody's looking at their watch. Let me give you the whole sentence. What time is it now in New Zealand? Gabriel has just come back from there. It's obviously bedtime. The way that Gabriel's eyes are closing. 
13 hours ahead. Well, that's an easy one. Uh, you've probably been able to see on the internet, YouTube, how Auckland, New Zealand have celebrated the new year. They're ahead of us. Sydney has been and gone and done. Seoul, Korea, Hong Kong, Singapore, Philippines. Philippines, you've done it already. So you're coming back for more. All right. And when we go, we think about, you know, North America, South America, they are behind us. It's the only time ever that America is behind the United Kingdom. <laughs> so what time is it in New Zealand? Easier question. What time is it on the moon? Have you thought about that? Well, I gave Michelle to put these up for me. And of course, being formally trained as an actuarial person, she did her research. She said, well, I can tell you the time. The time on the moon at 12.01 a.m. this morning, next morning, <coughs> will be 11.16 p.m. On, on, on the moon. Uh, on the 51st day of December 2018. Don't argue with me, argue with her. <laughs> what time is it on Mars? She had an answer for that as well. It's 4.50 p.m. on the 8th of July, 2043 on Mars right now. So I'm deliberately throwing this at you to confuse you, to make you feel a little bit nervous. You don't even know what time it is. I'm going to go further. What time is it on Betelgeuse, better known as Betelgeuse? How many people know what Betelgeuse is? If you look up in the sky, you see the constellation of Orion. Right there, the brightest star is um, affectionately called Betelgeuse, for those who don't speak whatever language it was that, that it's written in. Now, Betelgeuse is an enormous sun. It is in uh, diameter, in radius rather, 1,000 times bigger than our own sun. It's 640 light years away. So if you travel at the speed of light, not an easy thing, if you travel at the speed of light over 640 years before you reach it. And it takes 15 to 30 years turning on its own axis. What time is it on Betelgeuse? Ha <laughs> she couldn't answer that question. When you think about it, if we don't even know what time it is, and even when we say that what time it is now, it's very localized and particular to us. When we think of the broader issues, we don't really know what time it is. And it all seems so relative until we understand one thing outside of this world of space and time, outside of the space-time continuum, exists an eternal God. And he is our refuge, he is our fortress, and he is our strength. Well, go ahead if you're going to do it. <laughs> And that's that verse, that uh, verse 27 that I read earlier from Deuteronomy 33. The eternal God is your dwelling place and underneath are the everlasting arms. And, and then it goes on to say he subdues the ancient gods and shatters the forces of old. But whatever victory we're going to see in 2019 will depend on how close we are to him and how we learn to make him our dwelling place and how we rest in his unfailing love and are supported by his everlasting arms. So God knows the time. And uh, he is telling us the time. You see, time is not just what goes on the clock. Time is in God's hand and it is all related to the season that he's bringing. And there is a season 
that we're entering. This is a new day. You hear that every year? And of course it is. And the truth is, every day is a new day, and every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. But there is a new new day, a new season, and I want to begin to announce the new season. Simon and I have spent time on this together, and and in the new year, in January, as we come into the vision week, we're going to go further in this, but it is a glorious invitation that is vocalized from heaven. God himself speaking, and as he speaks, all kinds of things are happening in the supernatural, spiritual realm to bring it to pass, to make it happen, to bring it into being. It's a new day which in which God is inviting us to come up higher. Higher. So I guess we've got a song there, haven't we? Not just now. Higher, higher. Higher, 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 higher. Remember that song? Higher, 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 higher. Don't sing, don't sing. I wasn't singing, so why should you? All right. Oh, that reminds me. There was such an interruption. One day there was a pastor here, Nigerian pastor, big guy, big Nigerian pastor, Pastor Raphael. Remember Pastor Raphael? Big pastor. And he was worship leader, worship leader. And we were flowing in the spirit and we were singing, Hallelujah. Help me, help me, help me. Keep on, keep on, worship him, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, it was so beautiful. And I wanted him to take it up a tone, to go into slightly different keys. So I said, higher. He said, what? I said, higher, higher, higher. So he went, hallelujah, higher, 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 Jesus. And went on like that. There are some inappropriate switches of mood. And sometimes they come from the platform. But when God switches the mood, when he changes the season, it is never inappropriate. It never snows in summer with God. It's always appropriate. And in the new season, God is lining everything up. More of that to come. I want to leave three things with you tonight by way of this deepening, this invitation and showing you how attractive it is and calling for a response to this invitation. In this new season, God is going to introduce us to Mystery. Mystery. No, I'm not talking about the little grey cells of Écule Poirot. I'm not talking about a murder mystery or a thriller. I'm talking about God's mystery. Because if we got all this figured out, then it's not God that we got. There is stuff that is so beyond and out of our reach 
And, and I, I don't think we'll even begin to skim the surface of the surface until we stand with him in eternity and see it all displayed out there for us. But the wonderful thing about God is he gives us tiny tastes. And the word mystery in the Bible is God's invitation for you to discover the secrets that he is disclosing to you. What secrets are in the heart of God that he is wanting to whisper in your ear? What secrets does God want to disclose to you through the thunder of his power and the extraordinary outworking of faith? What is the tenderness of the mystery that God wants to whisper into your heart that you may know forever and ever and never doubt it ever again that God loves you and he has saved you and made you his child? What are the mysteries of the kingdom of God? Jesus' invitation came in parables. He spoke about the mystery of the kingdom, the secrets of the kingdom. He was revealing them and disclosing them, but it wasn't very obvious to everybody all the time. The parable of the sower, which you've probably heard a thousand times. They said, what does this mean? A sower went forth to sow. What does this mean? Stony ground, hard ground, good ground. What does this mean? And then Jesus in private, he disclosed the full revelation of the mystery. Have you noticed that about God? He, he is like that frustrating, in a glorious way, auntie that sends you a ball of string wrapped in 27 different wrapping papers and it comes in the front door the size of a tree trunk. And when you open it, it's a ball of string. <laughs> we thought that was funny. Thank you, auntie. God bless you too. But God's gift wrapping is there to entice us to go deeper. We peel off a layer and we discover something. And we peel off another layer and we discover something. We, we, you know, the, the thing is today is that, you know, even the fascination with murder mysteries, detective stories and thrillers and all the popularity of that, there's a reason for that because we want to enter into mystery. And that is something in our heart. And God, in his glorious mystery, is disclosing himself. Let me just give you one example before I move on. And this is a summons for you and I to discover what is ours. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Are those just words to you? Could you teach your parrot to say that? Blessed be the God and Father. What? I, I, I think sometimes, dear friends, and I say it in all seriousness, that's how we read the Bible. It's just repetition of familiar sounds. But God is saying, I want, you to, I want you to understand there is a profound mystery. Listen to this. Blessed be the God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's mystery there. But this bit, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. What on earth does that mean? Not... I want you to write a treatise on it, but what does it mean for you? It's an invitation that God is saying, there's so much out there, 
There's so much for you to explore, so much for you to discover, and I want to lead you there. I want to lead you into deeper mysteries so I can disclose my heart to you. That's why he's saying, come up higher and I will show you. Second word I want to leave with you. The word marvel. This is an invitation, a call, a summons by the King of Kings into his presence to discover him in worship. I was listening to you guys worship and I was worshiping myself. Thank God. Thank God for worship. But we are yet on the edges of the edges of the edges of what God has for us as a church, as a people, as a community, and as the body of Christ. I I want to throw out to you this. There are heights and depths of worship in the presence of God that are as yet unimaginable to any one of us here. Amen. And he said, I want you to come up higher because as you come up higher, you're going to see me, you're going to hear me, you're going to be in my presence and out of that presence is going to flow so much. Do you know miracles can happen in a place of worship? In a place of worship, God, you can encounter God and it's not about the song. It's never just about the song. It's about the God of the song. And I I want to challenge you to do it. Start in your own private devotions. However you worship. Whatever is the thing for you. But from that place, the secret place of the Most High God, from that place, discover His presence in whole new ways, and the relevance of his presence every single day of your life. Do you know what? When we worship, we not only walk in the presence of God, but we carry it with us wherever we go. Saying to Jill and to Matt in their touring, it's a difficult life touring. I once did seven weeks of one-night stands. I'm, you know, every, a different theatre every, every night. Um, could the stewards please evict those naughty people there? Thank God for humour. But 9.30 in my office on Wednesday morning. (laughs) And when you are out there, you're a little bit cut off. You don't have the same connection to fellowship as you have when you're resident in London. And also there is the challenge to shine for Christ. And sometimes it's the little things rather than the big things that make a difference. 
But I'll tell you what makes the difference every time. That's the presence of God that you've been worshipping. You cannot worship without shining with his glory. And it becomes visible. So this, this call to marvel and to wonder is, is again an answer to human longings. Stephen Ditko, who died this year, was along with Stan Lee, a comic artist for Marvel Comics, inventing such superheroes as Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. If you have a look at the list of those people we've got there, we've got all kinds of people. We've got Spider-Man, Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, the Hulk, Captain Marvel, Black Panther, Deadpool, Doctor Strange, Wolverine, Daredevil, Ghost Rider, and the Punisher, such teams as Avengers, X-Men, Fantastic Four, the Inhumans, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, you know that. You've obviously had some kids around for Christmas. Why is it that the, the, they say, what is, what is their theme? Do you know the Marvel comics have their own universe? They've created their own universe. When you discover that universe is also part of multiverse, and this is, this is how all those amazing things can happen. A man can eat a spider and start laying webs or whatever happened to the story. <laughs> whatever happened. I know really, but I'm just pretending I'm too holy to know. (laughs) Um, It it seems as if this this universe, there are extraordinary things that happen, and sometimes it's presented in pseudo-scientific ways, but really it's, it's this desire for the supernatural, the desire for something bigger than yourself, the desire for something transcendent, and that is, it's just everywhere in the human personality. Well, I'm not going to say anything against Marvel Comics, but I want to tell you about something just a little bit better. In fact, a whole lot better. It's the marvel of who Jesus Christ is. He is not just a time Lord. He is the Lord of time. But people everywhere are searching for, fascinated by this Longing for transcendence and supernatural superpowers. And without extending it into the comic exaggeration of that, we are a supernatural people. We are enveloped by the Holy Spirit. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We walk in the Holy Spirit. And our true resident is in the heavenly places, just as long as our feet are on the earth, as long as we're living. But God has made us a supernatural people. And there's so much to draw you, fascinate you, and to cause you to marvel and wonder at the glories of who Jesus is. Final word is mission. And in a way, this word flows from the other two. That there is for us an invitation to discover mystery, which will lead us to A life of worship in which we give God everything. I read a writer recently say, until you've given God everything, you haven't even begun to worship. Then it comes to mission. This is a call, an invitation, a summons to involvement.
the very beginning of time, before the worlds were created. God the Father had you in his mind to bring you through to a glorious destiny. And this great plan of God's love and salvation is a plan that you're involved in not just as a recipient of his grace, but as a transmitter of his love. Just as every key on the old-fashioned typewriter's clunk, click, clunk, click, every day of your life as you yield to Jesus, he is writing his story through you. And it's the story of his love. Do you know that all that time ago, the Father already had you in, your, in, your, in, in his mind. He formed you and fashioned you in his heart and mind. And, and he brought you into the world through space of time. And he has always had a special purpose for you, which is far more wonderful than you can ever imagine or invent for yourself. Because you and I, we have been called to serve the Lord your God and to bring him praise throughout all of our earthly life and throughout all of eternity. Mission, as a believer, you are called to work with and work for Jesus as his witness. The work of a witness is to produce the proof. That's what witnesses do in court. They want to know what you've seen and heard. You are producing proof for the court, which will either be used by the prosecution or the defense. And if they're very clever, both will use the same thing to try and make different stories. But God has called us to be proof producers, to prove and demonstrate that Jesus Christ is alive through signs and wonders and miracles and just by plain, old-fashioned, sanctified, living a life of holiness and purity and lost in his wonder and his love. Your mission, I nearly said, should you choose to accept it. <laughs> but I've said it anyway, because the truth is, actually, few, few that I know have really accepted the mission. I want to ask you, that, are you going to be one of the few that I know? Balcony? Yes. Basement? Can't hear you guys. Ah, there they go. This is, this is serious. I don't know what it, what it takes, but it's almost like somebody has to come and just switch the way you think. Just to switch away from self and to Christ. It is the most exciting life to live. Your mission is to make fruitful disciples. This involves encouraging one another as believers every day, praying for one another every day, meeting with one another, not necessarily physically all the time. That's not always possible, but we can through all these remarkable media, social media networks. And, 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 and ha having at least one word of encouragement for people that you meet. And do you know, if it's a believer... And you, you have a scripture, you can share it. And usually that goes well. But if it's a non-believer, you don't have to say, well, that's the Bible. Let, let them guess and come to that a little bit later. 
Why don't you say, God, every day in 2019, I want a word from you, not just the daily bread from my life, but something that I can break and multiply to the others. And it's amazing what God will show you. It's a great mission. Sharing with Jesus in building and growing his church. 